Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the WEI Celtics podcast powered by CLNS Radio with Sam Packard and Jared Weiss. Well, thank you. Thank you, Don Pardo. That's right. This is the WEEI Celtics podcast. I am Sam Packer, joined as always by Jared Weiss and the Seas. We have one week till the playoffs. They've officially made the playoffs. They've qualified. They're going to be in. The question is, are they going to be a three seed? Or are they going to be a six seed? No one really knows. Who know? I'm sorry. Who knows? So the Celtics, uh, really anything can happen over those last three games. And we really, we're really not going to know what the final result is until we actually get down to that final game just because the way that the schedule works out. It's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. It's pretty wild. And here's the question. Do you think the last three games where the Celtics play the Heat, the Hornets, and what's the last team? How can I forget this? The, the Hawks. Hawks. The Heat, the Hawks, and the Hornets. Do you think that can change your perception of kind of the matchups of these teams? Does like If they re- lose really badly to the Hawks, does that mean you would fear like their ability to beat the Hawks later in the season. How much of an impact do these three games actually have uh, uh, kind of outside the standings? Well, first off, I just noticed that all three of those teams start with an H. Never noticed that before. I feel like whatever team lose, like whoever the loser is in that last regular season game, once they get to game one of the, of the postseason matchup, they're probably going to win that game. I mean, that's some like quick turnaround on revenge there. Does it even count as an extra game in the series? Really? Who knows? That's a that's a wild it's a wild psychology to think about because they're literally playing the three teams they could potentially play in first round series. I think home court advantage is a huge uh, issue just because we can we've seen that sway NBA games and the two the teams are so close in their talent level and ed- execution right now that. Who knows? It might come down to something as small as a home court advantage. I mean, the Celtics are pretty committed to it. They Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder both said on Wednesday night that they want that three seed. And I asked Isaiah Thomas why he wants that three seed. I don't think he had a good answer for it. He just wants that three seed because I think it's more of a pride thing. But as, as much as it is a strategy thing. And don't forget, if you get the three seed, most likely if, you win the, if you're winning that first round matchup, you're getting Toronto in the second round. And while I feel that it doesn't really matter who you get in the second round because you're going to face one of Toronto or Cleveland in the in the next round anyway, it's just a matter of does it really make that big of a difference if you get to the conference finals? Yeah, I guess it is good. The team gets more gate revenue anyway, so it's good for them. Um, and you get a bigger profile by being in the conference finals. But they're going to have to go through Toronto and Cleveland. That's the road to the that's the road to Oakland or San Antonio, but probably Oakland. So. Is that does it really make a difference what seed you end up with between the three and the four? No, not really whatsoever. But it's kind of that player's mentality. They're going to want to finish as best as possible, and you can't really blame them. And I'm sure the other like Dwayne Wade just came out and said that the Heat really want the home court advantage. It's just the player's nature to kind of 
be at the, every team wants that. Yeah, exactly. It's just to be able to use your own toilet in the locker room. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? Yeah, your home shower, uh, just everything. Everything's a lot more comfortable at home. But all right, let's get. We have a really great show today. Uh, to talk about the Celtics, we're going to bring in Larry H. Russell. Host of Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. You probably know him from that podcast, which is the only podcast more famous and better than our show. He also writes manifestos that are thousands of words long on CLNS Radio, seemingly on a monthly basis. Larry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me here, Jared. Appreciate so, it. So, first off, this is the talk of the town because the Celtics PR department was smart enough to uh, put this out there as soon as they got back. Is Isaiah Thomas a all-NBA player? They set it up pregame, asking that question, promoting him as such, and he certainly, last or Wednesday night's game, looked like an all-NBA player. Uh, it's funny not, that, too. Sorry. I interrupted you, which I'm really good at doing, you know, my show, but if you're ready to ask me, is he an all-NBA player? Is that the question you're ready to ask? I, I don't know how you figured that out, but yep, that was the question. I actually just saw the Celtics, too, literally, like, within the last five seconds, and this was, you know, being taped at uh, 5.30 here on the East Coast on Thursday. Within, like, the last five seconds, they put out a retweet if you think Isaiah Thomas deserves to make the LNBA team. So did you retweet? I, no, I didn't. But I don't think that that's, that is a – you know what, I probably should if, I, if I'm, if I'm going to be doing it for the best of the team. I will do that as soon as uh, this interview is over. But to sort of jump on that, though, so the, the quest is for him to get him on the All-NBA third team. Outside of Paul Pierce making the All-NBA third team in 2002, which I remember very well, I don't think I can name any All-NBA third teamer, like, ever. Like, I don't think I can name one guy from last year's All-NBA third team. I know, like, like that's like Al Jefferson territory, sort of. So I don't really know. But it, I guess it comes down to the fact of, is he one of the top, let's see, six guards in the NBA? This year, I would say, probably. I'm actually just surprised at just really how well he's doing. I, I, for the longest of time... I was very ignorant and very biased because he was just a little guy that could score. That was really what the perception was of him. I was just tremendously biased in that when he was starting, I didn't even think he was even a starter on a very good team. So because of that, I thought that Brad Stevens sort of just kept him off the bench, coming off the bench as a sixth man and being that Vinnie Johnson or the classic sixth man that we all think to be. But obviously he's, he's superseded all expectations. So if it makes him feel that much better, just as the huge social media campaign that the Celtics went on to get Isaiah as an all-star, which they ended up succeeding, and they went on a mass campaign with that, if it makes him feel that much better to make it all NBA third team and the Celtics as an organization are as successful as Isaiah is on the court, obviously producing, but the Celtics as an organization really pushing like crazy to get him as an all NBA third teamer, if that's really what's going to really be beneficial for him and the team going forward, all, all for it. And, yes, I guess every one of our listeners, we should, we should go ahead and retweet. I'm going to do that right now, actually. All right, while you're, while you're hitting the retweet button, I think, uh, <laughs> I think it was a really good point you made that you don't remember any of the uh, any all-NBA third teams because it's a completely arbitrary uh, point there. Pearson 02. Can I tell you who the last guards to be all, third-team all-NBA were? Last year it was Kyrie Irving and Clay Thompson. This year, or the year before that, Goran Dragic and Damian Lillard. The year before that, James Harden and Paul George. And then the year before that, Dwayne Wade and one Rajon Rondo. Oh, So Rajon Rondo oh, is a third All-NBA player. Wow. So you can use that as your barometer. But was that that 2012 year then probably? When, yeah. When he was rolling up all those triple-doubles on national TV? Exactly. 
Okay. But that's the exact point is that it's kind of an arbitrary t- who are the top six, gu- six guards. Personally, I don't think this season he is. I think on our podcast last week, we had him as the fifth best point guard. So if you include yeah. any shooting guards in the All-NBA, that would be your James Hardens and your Jimmy Butlers. So that's and the your main Clay question. And your Clay Thompson. If you ask if he's a top eight guard or a top ten guard, he could probably be on the fourth All-NBA team. Like, you could just keep <laughs> going because it's a, a completely arbitrary kind of process of just selecting and ranking players. The one point that I thought was interesting, I think um, John Corrales said it on Twitter, uh, was that the Celtics are making this huge push, not because they truly believe that he's an All-NBA player, but it's kind of a message to other free agents that this is how we treat our stars around here. We really support them. This is the type of environment you're going to want to be in because this is an organization that really cares about his players, which I thought was an interesting one because it wasn't one I considered initially. Actually, I don't want to say I've been considering. I've been thinking to myself, which I do a lot of, which I guess I'm not really proud. I think it is 100, he 100% nailed it in that when they did this also for the All-Star game, it also wasn't just so much of, you know, we really care about you, Isaiah. This is what we can do for you and for other players going forward. It is just showing the power of the Celtics as an organization and their worldwide fan base in that, hey, we're able to run these type of campaigns for you. We're able to get you out there to not just the fans nationally. The Celtics do have a national fan base. It's funny, they are the fourth team here in Boston when all things are equal. They're they're the fourth most popular team. We can accept that. But worldwide, there's they're as popular, um, I don't want to say anybody but the Lakers in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that is a message that I, I agree with that 100%. That's, and I've been thinking to myself, that's something that they can show to players. I think it does hold a little water. I'm not sure how much it holds because hold, so it's really different strokes for different folks. Some players are different around the league. But it certainly doesn't hurt, and it does sort of exemplify how strong the worldwide fan base and the outreach that the Stellis organization has, that they're able to do campaigns such as this and successfully do it. I mean, most teams put on campaigns to get their kind of their star player as an all-star and all-NBA team. So I, I mean, the Celtics definitely aren't alone. I mean, everyone's seen the Boogie Cousins videos from last year that the Kings put out. Andre Drummond earlier this year did a lot of uh, internet you know, uh, memes, videos, stuff like that this year with the Pistons. So it's, it's, it's a responsibility of the PR department to try to get that kind of viral campaign going for their players. So it's smart the way they handle it. The Celtics tend to be more traditional with it, where like they just issue like a PDF with like a graphic with the guy's stats, stuff like that. They didn't do any funny videos or anything like that. Although I think Isaiah Thomas could probably do some good funny videos. He's done the Pizza Man video. We that's heard, true. We know he has acting chops. Chris Bosh for the All Star Game way back. That was a classic. Yep. That's what made me first really like Chris Bosh as a human. Just those wacky cowboy uh, things. I would love to see Isaiah Thomas in some sort of. Uh, outfit pitching for some sort of goof. I just love seeing more personality from the team because they're a little uh, off. Or other than Evan Turner, there you don't get that much from uh, from them at, uh, off the court. They should do like a dunk contest between him and Lucky. Lucky gets the trampoline. Isaiah has to actually dunk. I think that would be pretty interesting. But Is so, it- but to be serious for a minute here, you're looking at the third All NBA team. It's going to be. I think Kyle Lowry would probably get second, but he might be on third. You're, basically, Isaiah is competing with James Harden. And Jimmy Butler, I'd say, for that last spot. And DeMar DeRozan. Butler's and, really falling off the second half of the year, though. I don't exactly. Know if he's hurt or whatever. And James Harden, if you talk about guys falling off, Butler's falling off. James Harden is really since the first month of the season been ripping it up. Even well, though Houston sucks. Well, Harden's been scoring like crazy lately. And But the thing is, the he's he's been a little inconsistent. The Rockets are so inconsistent that, while even though he's like what, top, towards the top of the league in PER and scoring, 
I, I think the, the way that the team has failed so much this year, losing the you know have, get the coach getting fired, and a lot of people holding Harden responsible for that, that really hurts his reputation. And it's I think that's where De, guys like Demar Derozan and Isaiah Thomas went out, where they're kind of looked at as elevating their teams this year, while Harden's been kind of holding the team back in a lot of respects. Yeah, there was a little bit of backlash on Harden. Even if you recall, he talked about how there was the whole thing with you know blaming Harden for Kevin McHale being fired. And as it turned out, I can't remember who was reporting now. I feel very bad for doing that, which is what I what I do a lot. I when I say someone report, and I never name who it was. But even when he was first fired, uh, McHale was first fired for that matter. Everybody sort of pointed the fingers at Harden. And there was such a negative backlash at Harden, not just for doing that, but it was for his style of play with the Rockets. We were, there was a segment with Shaq and Kenny and Charles Barkley on, on Inside the NBA. Pretty much they were all universally going after Harden. I think even Smith, who is, is very aware of doing that. And those guys hold a lot of influence in terms just of the, the rest of the media. So I could see where you're getting at with that, but I think Harden has a strong enough name power, and he is having an exceptional season. So I, I, I have a hard time seeing uh, now. I don't. I don't know the media members well enough who vote on this well enough to, to or the, the coaches and whatnot who vote on this to, to, to see what they're going to do. But I would think that one or the other way more, more likely come down to Butler and Thomas. And with you talking about disappointing teams, Chicago is right at the absolute top of the list. They're probably going to miss the playoffs. And Butler hasn't had the best of seasons, particularly in the second half of the year. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what's going on there. I'm not. In the uh, you know in the ebbs and flows of Chicago, I'm just looking at the inputs and the outputs, and right now the outputs are him aren't even all that good, and the team outputs aren't all that good for Chicago. So it probably does come down to Thomas and Butler. And if, since this is the the WEI Celtics podcast, we almost certainly have to go with Isaiah Thomas. And I just went ahead and retweeted uh, my the, the retweet is in. Yeah, it's from two from two Twitter accounts. Oh wow, that's those are those are two big votes for Isaiah Thomas. I would agree with you that I would put Thomas above Butler and Harden, but I think the one player we often forget about and it goes back to Jared's point about kind of elevating your team would be uh, Damian Lillard and what he's doing in Portland because they no one really thought they were going to make the playoffs. Um, but that's I, enough. I had him on my second team. That's why. Yeah, he would be a second yeah. team guy. And, he's and, and then uh, with Clay Thompson probably. And then Chris and, Paul. Oh, uh, you know, I forgot about Chris Paul. Crap. All right. So and there's just too many. Good sorry, Isaiah. <laughs> sorry, Isaiah. But let's focus on the the four remaining games that the Celtics have. Um, they're locked in a crazy race in the East. Uh, I think one game separates the four teams, uh, and the Celtics actually play each of these three teams um, in the final three games of the season. So, how do you think Brad Stevens approaches this? They have a couple of guys who are banged up. They only have between Marcus Smart and Evan Turner. They have two working eyes. Uh, Jay Crowder still needs a little time uh, for his ankle. And considering you're battling all these teams for playoff positioning, do you rest these players in hopes of just having your best team out there for the playoffs? Or are you gunning as uh, hard as possible for that third seed? If you're asking me, I would rest them. But I don't think that's what the Celtics are going to do. I think they're going to try to win all the four remaining games if for no other reason. I think case in point was bringing Jay Crowder back. What was it like? 15, he got hurt on a Friday night against Houston, and then he came back on a Wednesday, like two Wednesdays later against Portland, and he was hurt again. And that seemed like really quick for a high ankle sprain. You know, whenever they, with those guys, that's a very common injury in the NFL. Whenever that happens in the NFL, guys miss a month. And when guys do come back very quickly, uh, Dwight Freeney played a Super Bowl, totally ineffective. And of course, we all remember Rob Gronkowski in the Super Bowl against the Giants. 
just completely useless. So that seems a little rapid for the Celtics to bring back Crowder that soon. Sure enough, I don't want to say he re-aggravated it, but I guess he was sore that he couldn't play that Friday against Golden State. And then when I was watching your guys on the guard report against New Orleans, he was complaining about how tired he was. And I don't have a question of him being out of shape, or I don't know how you can get out of shape over the course of two weeks. But I didn't, I didn't think that was a smart idea to bring Crowder back that, that soon. And I even made a complaint about it on my show. Even, even though I'm not in the ins and outs of that team every single day, I just look at the historical examples and of that injury. That is a month-long injury to recover from. I think the smarter thing would have been to pretty much stick Crowder out as long as you possibly could. But if you're asking what I would do, I'd be sitting guys down, asking what the team's going to do. They're going to be gunning for that third seed, or the highest possible seed they're going to do. I don't think there's really any debate about it because – and we've seen what they've been doing. They've really, really pushed these players into playing. They had Avery Bradley play in Phoenix. They flew him in from God knows where, and they played him in Phoenix so he could guard uh, Devin Booker. So, I don't know. I don't like the way they do it, but it's that's one of my – that's probably the only complaint I do have about how they do it. And so, so do you think that they are at significant risk going to the first round that they could have guys starting to drop? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, that – organization does not have the best history, particularly over the course of the last seven, eight years, of managing players' health. In my eyes, I think there's so many historical examples of that. In terms of that being one of my primary concerns of how they play in the playoffs, I just that a lot of that still has to do with circumstance. Once again, I just don't see these players enough every single day where I can say, wow, that guy's hurt. I don't know why he's playing. You're, the concerns that I would have going into the playoffs is, of course, just more on the floor. Just the actual individual matchups. Say, if, you know, they play Atlanta in the first round. They the size that Atlanta has and the talented big men that Atlanta has. That has been the primary weakness for the Celtics this season. They play the Milwaukee tomorrow. A lot of people are chalking that game up as a win. We've seen Greg Monroe tear them apart. We've seen Brooke Lopez tear them apart in a game back in January. We've seen Jolie Okafor in the first game of the year. Jared Tollinger doesn't even come into that game. They probably lose to the Freaks and Sixers in the opener because of their struggles with big men. So it's more just, I would say, if you're asking me for my emotional investing interest that I still have with the Celtics, still probably more uh, has to do with matchups on the court than it has to do with just the uh, fear in the back of my mind that someone's going to go down and break their neck and be paralyzed for life. But it's still it's still a, a more of a possibility than what it could have been had, at least in my eyes, they probably managed some guys a little bit better than they are. So considering all of that, where do you what do you think is the easiest path for the Celtics? Who do you think should be there? Uh, or... Charlotte. Charlotte. I don't think there's any debate to that, right? I, I mean, I think that's an interesting debate because Charlotte's one of the hottest teams in the league right now, but Atlanta has always matched up well against them, and Miami's talent level is probably higher than anybody else. But they've else. also dominated the Heat in all three games this year. It's true. They've beaten Charlotte twice. They, I think they've only, they only played Miami twice, right? I think they've beaten Charlotte and Miami both each twice. I know one game against Charlotte was really, really close, but that was also in a really tough situation, if I recall. They were on like a brutal back-to-back. I can't remember who they played. Oh, they played Golden. Didn't they play Golden State? It was the, the night, night after before. the Golden State game, and then yeah. they went down to Charlotte, and that was a game that no one thought they'd win because they just played a friggin' double overtime slobber knocker. Wow, I just quoted Jim Ross. Uh, they <laughs> uh, they just played a double overtime game against Golden State. No one thought they'd beat Charlotte. Then they went down there and they took care of Charlotte. I can't recall if 
it's, my brain's a little mushy. I can't recall if that's the one where I, they everyone was sort of criticizing that Isaiah Thomas got away with the travel at the end of the game. I think so, yeah. But they still, you know, they went down and they beat Charlotte twice. They won two games in Charlotte this year. They have they played two in Miami, but it was a split. They played one in Miami, one here. But I just look Atlanta size. I mean, I, I think that I think Forsberg just put it out today that uh, projections would have Atlanta actually as the favorite if they played in a in a road series. Miami, you know, Wade is actually having a pretty good year, and he has, that, that team has a lot of playoff experience. I think that I think there is something to that. I know there's a lot of talk about cliches and intangibles. A lot of the times that seems to play its way out in the playoffs. So I'd be concerned with that. Charlotte, I mean, Al Jefferson is. He's been hurt this year. He's been coming off the bench. So that fear of a big man really beating up the Celtics may not be there with that team. I know they're playing really well, but I I would take, I'd would feel pretty confident with, with them going against Charlotte, particularly if they had home court advantage. If they had home court advantage and they drew Charlotte in the first round and say it's a 3-6 matchup, I, I, I'd be stunned. I'd be stunned if they lost them in the first round. I really would. All right, then last question here. After Sam Hinkie's manifesto hit the airwaves and the Twitter waves on Wednesday night, uh, it was identified he quoted probably was it over 20 people from history, or it was it 13 people from history. If you were writing your resignation letter from this show right now, who would be the person you would quote? Napoleon is, is someone whom I've like, looked up to my entire life. Napoleon and Julius Caesar were my idols growing up. So if you were just talking about how I would quote them, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, those were two people who, you know, Napoleon was, uh, Caesar was assassinated and Napoleon was exiled, so Do you have they, any really sp- didn't, they really didn't resign, so I, I think they were really forced, so I don't know how I would quote them if I was stepping down from whatever I was stepping down from. At two, Jerry? I, I, guess, I guess so. How about uh, um, Richard Nixon, then? Do you have any good Richard Nixon quotes if we're going for a person who has resigned from a, a, a famous position? Nixon had a killer uh, closing address, but I, I can't really pull a quote off the top of my head. I guess going into the helicopter is probably the image that we could probably say for them. <laughs> all right, so all the people out there in Radio Land can picture Larry H. Russell right now. Just Do- throwing up the deuces. Peace hands in the air. Uh Letting the people know that he is, he's with them and he is not a crook. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Larry. Tremendous. Larry H. Russell, the host of Celtics Beat, which is actually a pretty phenomenal podcast that I've actually hosted plenty of times in the past. Larry, thanks for joining us. Where can we find you on the interwebs? That's one thing that I think I've criticized millennials pretty much forever because they frustrate me like crazy, especially when I have to work with one. But... I, People have to realize now that's the one skill that people have that they're still good at finding people on the internet. So I think if you just Google Larry H. Russell, I'll probably show up. That's that's a showing a lot of faith in our fans, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> Unfortunately, our fans only use Bing, so that won't work. If any of our fans use Bing, they should stop listening right now, and they need to get the f*** out of here. So that was Larry H. Russell from CLNS Radio, host of Celtics Beat on CLNS. I'm Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. This guy over here is Sam Packard from WEI. Twitter handle is? At Sam Packard NBA. So if you guys enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, leave a review, leave a comment. If you have any questions, use the hashtag WEI Celtics. I give you my promise that I will answer anything on air. 
I can't say I'll be truthful, but I'll answer it. I mean, we've answered some pretty fucked up questions so far on the air, mostly from uh, what's the guy's name again? Seafoam Joe. Oh my god, it's such a good Twitter handle. But uh, we're this show is on the CLNS Radio mobile app. You can download that on iTunes and in the Google Play Store. Is that what they still call the Android Store? I don't know. I have an iPhone. I, I yes, I still use Google Play Music. There you go. So yeah, you can download you can download it for Droid as well. Uh, it's a great app. Uh, there's bonus content attached to this podcast in there that give you our video content and audio content from the garden report post game show which is the post game show i host after every single celtics game which is filmed at the garden sam is usually on the show and he's willing to stay late enough to actually come on all right so we got another podcast that we just released here we talked to jake fisher who is from si.com and is kind of one of the people really on top of the situation in philly who talked to who's sat down with sam hickey many times uh, he, we did almost an hour with him talking about the Sam Hinkie Philadelphia 76 breakup, and it's a must listen. So listen to that as well. We'll see you next week on the WEI Celtics podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.